I want uh, to give time for Dr. Malden and Miss Tammy to come and, and just share with us this morning. Can we give these guys a wonderful hand? Thank you so much, Pastor. It is great to be in this place. We have tried to get here for years. <laughs> um, and uh, we had it all scheduled, and then something called the pandemic hit, and uh, that sort of slowed us down in our travels. But uh, we're so, so thrilled to be with you this morning. I uh, just want to say a shout-out to Hubert McGarity over here. It's great to see you in the house of the Lord. And uh, some, uh, some wonderful friends. Uh, Aaron, uh, you're right here on the, on the end there. Uh, you and your family, thank you so much for, for coordinating this whole thing. Uh, we were able to pastor them down in, uh, in Florida uh, some years ago, so it's, it's great to see you all again and, and be blessed by you. Uh, first of all, let me uh, just say thank you so much for inviting us to be with you. Uh, let's go to that uh, the PowerPoint for Smoky Mountain Children's Home. Uh, we've got that up there, I'm sure. Uh, that is not the Smoky Mountain Children's Home. No, just kidding. Uh, all right. We'll keep rolling, all right? Uh, okay, I thought that was it. All right. Uh, we have uh, Tammy and I have been there, as Pastor has indicated, for, for nine years. Uh, just such a wonderful ministry uh, and, and reaching out to this, this whole area. Uh, Tammy is the first person, all right, now this is big, uh, she is the first woman in the church of God ever to be designated as a co-director of anything, uh, so that's a pretty big deal, yeah, uh, <clears throat> she's an ordained minister in the church of God, and uh, we're very proud of her, uh, we want to say thank you to, to Pastor uh, Pastor uh, Paul and Kim Dyer, uh, they are they are great friends of ours. We have known their ministry. Uh, Pastor Dyer has been uh, with the Chaplain's Commission. Uh, he has been a missionary to Honduras and Belize and served as superintendent of all those areas. Pastor Dyer, I don't know if you know this or not, but he's sort of a household word in the Church of God. So that's a, that's a pretty big deal. He is a pretty big deal. You ought to give him a big hand uh, because of all his work here. <laughs> and we have the sort of the update of the update, but according to our figures, uh, over the past few years, you have given $12,890 to the Spoky Mountain Children's Home, just a little bit there. So you ought to give the Lord praise for that. Yeah. <laughs> but Tammy's going to share with you uh, about the, the PowerPoint that is invisible at this point. <laughs> here, here's what we'll do. Here it is. It's right here. <laughs> Can you all see that? No. We'll, we'll keep rolling. Uh, we're excited about the, the Biotree change of life, and uh, we've been a part of this for some time. So thank you so much, Tammy. It was such a blessing. When uh, Pastor Dyer contacted the office, and I was the one who was given the phone call, and I am so thankful for that phone call and the partnership that we have had with the Alcoa Maryville Church of God and with Pastor 
and Kim as well, Pastor and uh, his lovely wife, Kim. I don't see her right now. She's probably busy getting the meals ready. But, you know, by a tree, change a life. You know, it says if you touch the little ones, you have touched the heart of God. So we know that what you're doing is changing lives, and we thank God for what you're doing to help change a life by doing this fundraiser and the ones that you have done before. So thank you for your support. You ask, you know, okay, what do we do? Well, what we do is we minister to approximately 400 children each year, and that opportunity we do not take lightly. We do it through campus ministries. We have a campus ministry. Uh, we have, uh, on our campus, we have ages 12 to 17 that live on our campus, and we are so thankful. You can imagine anything a 12 to 17-year-old may need. That's what we do, whether it's from clothing to nutrition, but most importantly, ministering to them spiritually as well. We have a foster care. Our foster care is mostly in East Tennessee. Uh, we have ages from a babies up to 17 in our foster care. We are very blessed by the foster parents that we have. Right now we have around 140 in foster care right now around the state of Tennessee. We also have what people don't know, an adoption service. You know, if you want to adopt a child, come and see us. If you want to foster a child, come and see us. Uh, and we average around 30 a year adoptions. So we are so thankful to give that child a forever home. We have Melody Jones who handles that, and she sends us emails from where a child has been adopted, and, okay, they're in a courthouse with a judge, and the picture's being made, the kids are smiling, and they're so happy that they can, you know, have that forever home because that's what we want, right? We want them, every child, to have a forever home. We have an Alpha Christian school. We have kids come on our campus. They're 16 years old, and they may only have four credits. And could you imagine only four credits, 16 years old? Well, what we do, we have teachers who get them up to speed so they can graduate and they can get their education and they can go on and do what God has called them to do. And we have great teachers in that area to be able to do that. Campus spiritual update, we have kids. Our kids are allowed, try to use the word allowed. We, we re, you know, it's a requirement they attend a Church of God church because we are a Church of God organization. And they attend church on Sundays and they attend church on Wednesday nights at, a, at local congregations. And we thank God because eight kids recently have given their heart and life to the Lord and been five of them in water baptism. <laughs> Praise God for that. We thank the Lord. You know, our children, you know, they come from, we have one girl that her mother said she loved her drugs more than she loved her, told her this to her face, that she loved her drugs more. But you know what? God delivered that mother. Praise God. She's back home with her. We saw them at Winterfest about three years ago. And I'm telling you, this little girl's praising the Lord. Her name was Tammy, like, 
my name and I was just like rejoicing with them. And we all were, the entire, our entire group from Smoky Mountain Children's Home were so excited. We have recently partnered with the Westmore Church of God with Pastor Kelvin Page. We have our office in Sevierville, but we also have a foster care office in Westmore offices now. We have a case manager down that way. She serves the Athens, the Cleveland, Chattanooga area. And so that's the office where she brings people in and able to help. You know, we, wanna, we want to outreach. We want to get farther out. You know, touch more kids. That's what it's all about. So now we have the Sevierville office, we have the Oneida office, and we have the Cleveland office. So the more people we can touch, the Lord is blessing and it's growing, and thank God for that. And, you know, we couldn't do that without your support. What you're doing, you would be surprised how much it helps in touching our kids. And I call them ours because I feel like they're ours. I don't know. I love them so much. And the cottage, you can't see it because we don't have the PowerPoint, but we can hold it up. There's the Tennessee cottage, okay? That's your cottage. So we are um, doing a fundraiser to also do uh, a transition to that cottage. Uh, Sister Shelley Doherty's doing that through the Tennessee State Office. But we want to thank you, Pastor Paul and Kim Dyer. We want to thank you for your passion and your heart. We want to thank the Alcoa Maryville Church of God for your heart, for your passion, for how much that you love and you want to touch. I feel it. I've, I've felt it for over a couple of years now, you know, in just meeting your pastor and his wife, how much that this church loves Smoky Mountain Children's Home. We thank you. You know, thank you for helping us transform a generation. You know, we adopted this year Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. And our motto right now is to be transformed, that we are there to help these children be transformed, and you're a part of that by your giving. And I can't thank you enough today, and I praise God for each and every one of you and what you have done. God bless you. Thank you so much, Tammy. This morning, in the, the two hours that I have left in the service, now the, that, that's normal. <laughs> well, that's what the pastor told me. No, I'm just kidding. I know that your mind is on other things, but we're going to focus in quickly and uh, because I really, I really sense that we have a word from the Lord for you today because this is a fresh word. Uh, uh, to be quite honest with you, uh, I I usually have these top ten sermons that I have, and the Lord says, "Well, you know, preach this one or come up with a new one." And this time, 
he just left me out to dry and he said, you're on your own. And I said, okay. Uh, but the Lord really dealt with me on this issue. You see these clocks before you because there's usually a, a timetable when we are waiting on something. How many are waiting on something? Um, I'm here today to tell you that God is in the wait. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, they that wait upon the Lord, do you have it there? I want you to read this out loud if you don't mind. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen? There is a purpose in the wait. Waiting is certainly not one of my strong points. I like to get things done with no delays and always strive to have a do-it-now attitude. If it can't be done now, hey, that's it. For me to stand in a long line for hours, I'm sorry, Dollywood, but... Uh, for me to stand in line for hours waiting on a two-minute ride is not going to happen. I do not like to wait on anyone or anything. Most often, periods of waiting can be filled with total frustration for me. Anybody else like me, you just get fr frustrated waiting? Waiting seems like emptiness. Waiting appears to be endless. Waiting is certainly overrated. On the surface, there seems to be nothing to accomplish while we wait and we wait. However, there are some valuable life lessons that we need to take a look at and I need to take a look at that teach us there are things that are worth the wait. Many believe that the longer we have to wait, the better the outcome. As you know, waiting requires much patience. Luke 21, 19, I think we have that up there for you, says, by your patience, you possess your soul. Hmm, interesting. Through the act of experiencing patience, we must fully understand the ramifications of gaining our soul. By the way, please never pray for patience. Do not ever do that. God's way of teaching us patience may exceed our simple expectations to the simple prayer. Do not worry. Patience will eventually come to you, those who wait. Now, having to wait in a restaurant or a grocery store, does you know, that, that does not compare to finding ourselves waiting for the real important things in life like God's plan for us. From time to time, we find ourselves waiting for the next big step in life, uh, the next thing that we sense God has for our future, for our destiny. Have you ever been there? Perhaps you're there now. I have been through those throughout my entire life. For you see, waiting takes the control out of our hands 
and places it firmly in the hands of God. And sometimes that doesn't feel right, does it? When we're awaiting, we are forced to change our focus away from being impatient and frustrated to relaxing in the wait. Do you hear me this morning? Make sure you embrace the fact that waiting must be done with a purpose. Inevitably, there is a purpose in the act of waiting. God may be trying to do something within you to get you ready for his will that will unfold in the stages for the rest of your life. But God is also getting others ready for your entrance. So hold on. Hold on. If there is purpose in our waiting, then our waiting must be intentional. Wait intentionally. Let there be focus and not aimless waiting. God has a plan for us during the painful times of having to wait. Through moments and hours and days and years of waiting, he is actually planning on how to prepare you for your next steps. So get yourself ready for the next steps of your destiny. Wait for it with purpose and intention. You see, hope is in the wait. Hope is in the wait. Dictionaries usually delineate the word wait as a verb, like an action verb. However, for our purposes here today, it makes perfect sense to cast the word wait as a noun, a, you know, a person, place, or thing. I look over here at these young people because they know all that, you know. Philippians 4 and 5 admonishes us, we'll put it up on the screen there, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. When we, when we give thanks as we are praying, there is a lift in our spirit. If I'm over here, sometimes I catch myself praying, and maybe you pray like I do. Lord, you know, I've got to have this, and I've got to have this, and I've got to have this. And I feel so down, and I feel so depressed, and I feel like, God, are you never going to answer me? But all of a sudden, if I begin to pray with thanksgiving, then it all changes. There is a lift in our spirit as we begin to pray and ask God for things with thanksgiving. How does that look? Well, it looks exactly like we were doing a while ago. You know, as we begin to pray and as we begin to seek God, as we begin to open this whole this whole congregation, and I, I promise you this is in, in my message today, but the Lord said to use this at this morning at 3.41 a.m., when he woke me up and said, put this in your message. You know what the message was? When we are praying, we ought to use the scripture that we just used a while ago 
that we are to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. We're to serve the Lord with gladness. We're to come before his presence with singing. For we know that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We're going to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We're going to enter his courts with praise. We're going to be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth unto all generations. That is the essence of all that we're doing this morning. When we are praying, just make a joyful noise unto the Lord. When we are praying, begin to exalt him as we sang a while ago with our worship team. Exalt his name as you are praying. Worship is in the wait. I call it Wait worship. As we are waiting on the things of God, we better be worshiping because it will make the wait bearable. It will make the wait exactly what God has intended for us to be. We're to give thanks to God in everything. The reference does not say we are to praise the Lord for everything. but we are to praise him in everything. This becomes an act of worship. Worship is in the weight. When we force our weight to become an act of worship, listen to me, which we accomplish by giving thanks, then this simple act of worship can transform anxiety into anticipation. It can change fear into faith. It can change destitution into your destiny and condemnation of the past for a conviction for the future. In the end, we begin to see God's idea of wait as perhaps an act of worship, which we see in bold relief as we consider the following verse. Listen closely, Jeremiah 29 and 11. We have this, if you come into our front door, a pastor has seen this, coming to our front door in Smoky Mountain Children's Home Administration Building, come to the front doors, and right above the door is this scripture. Because I want every child that ever comes through that door, I want every staff member, every visitor, I don't care if they're with the Department of Children's Services, I don't, want, I don't care if they're with the, the national government, whoever comes through the door, I want them to see this. For I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future. Will you say that with me? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future. How many can hang on to that scripture? That scripture you can take with you for the rest of your life if you would like. What does all that mean? What is all that hope about? The word hope in this scripture is derived from the Hebrew word that wait was found in, in back in Isaiah 40 that we, we mentioned a while ago. They that wait upon the Lord, that wait is the same thing. It is a hope factor that we can latch on to. What is the significance of this? In God's economy of life, his wait only has one realized destination, and that is, wait for it, hope. 
in every transformation, if every transformation requires a transition, and by the way, it does, then the weight is a point of transition where what has been is transformed into what will be. Could I say that one more time? If every transformation requires a transition, then the weight is the point of transition where what has been is transformed into what will be. Destiny is in the weight. Where you are heading in life is in the weight. It is in those moments of waiting on God, waiting on Him to plan your future for you. Again, we look at Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, plans to prosper you and to give you a hope in the future. In other words, your future is ahead of you, right? So basically, it is stating there is a waiting process to get you to your future. A waiting process will take place before your ultimate destiny is reached. Think about it. Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, waited 30 years before his, he started his ministry, and that ministry would only last for three, maybe three and a half years. The wait was almost as, as important as the three years of ministry. It was the wait. What was God waiting on? What was Jesus waiting on? The preparation was more important. The greater the preparation, the greater the ministry. The Hebrew, Hebrew children waited 40 years to reach the promised land. They get a bad rap all the time. Saul, the one who persecuted Christians, went to school and was trained for 40-plus years before he became the apostle Paul and wrote most of the New Testament. Each one of us will reach our destiny if we are willing to wait. God has a plan for us, but it includes the act of worship of waiting. The act of worship of waiting. Many of us find ourselves on a, on a pause uh, or in a waiting game, much like an airplane that sort of circles the field. One time I was in this airplane, and, and uh, we were about ready to land, and we were heading in that direction. And then all of a sudden, the pilot sort of took off again. And I'm looking over my right shoulder, and I'm seeing the runway down there. What happened? He was put in a holding pattern. He had to go and circle back around the entire city and wait for the landing. That's exactly the way it is in our lives. Sometimes we are in a holding pattern, waiting on what God has in store for us. The problem is, the problem is in life, we don't want to we don't want to wait. I mean, we want it now, right? We want the immediate. We don't want to wait for the outcome. We're largely impatient people, aren't we? Often we are forced to wait in the pursuit of our destiny. When we're waiting, it may seem that God is a million miles away. Does he not hear our cries for help? Let me answer this with a biblical reference. In the book of Daniel, chapter 10, 
Daniel had a dream. And usually, Daniel could interpret dreams just like that. He knew exactly what the dream was. But this one stumped him. He had no idea what the dream meant. And so he began praying. And he prayed and he waited. And he prayed and he waited. He prayed some more. He waited some more. The answer did not come. Daniel was thinking, what's wrong with my spiritual life here, you know? What about my relationship with God? What, what, what is this all about? You see, 21 days passed until the answer finally came. That's significant. Of interest is the fact that an angel of the Lord told Daniel that God heard his humble prayer from the very first day he started praying. What that says to you, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, <laughs> what that says to you is that God heard your prayer on the very first day you prayed it. On the very first day that you prayed to God, he heard your prayer. Maybe the answer is not on the way yet because there was a warring in the heavens and God allowed the angel of the Lord to defeat the prince of Persia, he was called, and finally the answer came to Daniel, and he knew what the dream meant. Waiting seems like a waste of time. Waiting appears to be defeat, when all along it is preparation for what lies ahead. Often we see waiting as a penalty. You know, what have I done wrong, God? You know, I'm praying this prayer, I'm praying this prayer, but I don't have the answer. So we, we feel like we're being penalized or something by God. No, that's not the case. God has your next step in mind. He knows your future. He has placed you in a holding pattern. Now a wait for his ultimate plan to be revealed to you later. The difficult part is to trust that God will answer your prayer in his time. God is in the very midst of your waiting. Remember, God is in the wait. A popular phrase often used in television sitcoms, you see it a while ago when I mentioned this, uh, I heard some people sort of laugh, um, and, and that's, that's understandable. Conversations on social media use it often, and they say, we're about to finish this, but they say, wait for it, wait for it. Wait for it, and it becomes almost comical, but in this, this is pretty serious business that we're having to wait here for things. So let's take a, a, a few examples from the Scripture. In the story of Noah, just after the rain stopped, floodwaters remained unabated for 150 days. Then the wind blew, and the water subsided. This residue of the flood of self-imposed judgment was finally over, but they had to wait for it. In the story of Moses and the Israelites, I mentioned a while ago, when they were escaping the Egyptians, and the Egyptians said they could go, 
and they left with their millions of, of people, and they ran up against the Red Sea, you know what happened? They began praying. Can you imagine? Here's the Red Sea. Here's the Egyptian army. Pharaoh and all his, all his minions are coming in on the Israelites, and they're going, what are we going to do? And Moses said, our Lord will deliver us. You have to wait for it. They're looking over their shoulder. Moses, now, what, what are we going to do? Wait for it. And then all of a sudden, the winds blew across the water, and they marched across the Red Sea ground on dry ground. You've heard that story. Some people say, well, you know, during that time of the year, it was only knee high. I think, well, that's pretty good. They marched across on dry ground. If you want to say they marched across in, in knee deep water, I'm okay with that. But how in the world did horses and all the army drown in knee deep water? You know, I, I, think, I think they waited. You know, can you imagine Moses being over there? Wait till you see the whites of their eyes. Wait for it. Wait for it. Yeah. And then the Lord's going to open up. That's the way the Lord is. In Luke 24, after Jesus was resurrected and just before he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, get this, to go to Jerusalem and wait for it. Wait for the promise. And guess what happened? Here they were in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit flooded that room, and tongues of fire sat upon each, forehead, upon each head. Here they are. They waited. They waited because Jesus said, go and wait. Here's a scripture painting for the day. Maybe you are like Moses and feel you are trapped and unable to reach the place of promise God has put in your heart. If so, wait for it. Wait for it and see what God can do. And lest we forget, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead in Romans 8, for three days after the resurrection, his disciples were waiting for it. He said he was going to come again. He said he was going to be resurrected from the dead, but they had a period of waiting and perhaps we can see that as well. If you're hearing this today and you're facing some hopeless terminal reality right before you, wait for it. Wait for the promise. As we are moving toward our destiny, often there are difficulties that come our way. Life happens. So what is our response? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. We are to wait for it. Wait is a God moment. Waiting is a God moment. You see, 
God is in your weight. I want you to personalize that this morning, and I want you to say with me, God is in my weight. God is in my weight. Could you receive that from the Lord this morning and just lift up your hand and say, God is in my weight. God is getting you ready for your next step. God is getting you ready to complete your dream. It will be something you have been waiting on, maybe for years. God is about to release anointing in your life that you have been waiting for. Wait for it. There will be a new season for your life. There will be a new power for your life. There will be a new glory in your life. God will take you into abundance according to Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 where it says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. He is there ready to do that. It includes positions you did not receive. Jobs that slipped through your fingers. Your, your, your fingers, promotions that passed you by, doors that did not open, obstacles that stood in your way, the relationship that never got off the ground. God was protecting you all along. Hmm, I feel like preaching this morning. God was with you all through your weight. See, God has something better for you. God has a better plan for you. He will give you a hope, and he will give you a future just like the Scripture meant a while ago. God is in your weight. Now, you see, this morning, I feel like I have basically been talking, preaching to the church. But for the next few moments, if you don't mind, I want to talk to people that might not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Pastor, I, I promised the Lord a long time ago if he would give me opportunities that I would, I would never walk out of a pulpit without giving people the opportunity to know Christ as their Savior. You see, I believe, I'm a firm believer in this, that it is God's will for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place this morning to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. John 3.16 says it best. He says, for God so loved all. He loved the world that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That life can be yours because it has become a part of so many of us in this room. The problem is that sin comes into our world. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's bad news this morning, but the good news is found in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, where it says, but God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for each and every one of us. You may say, well, well Dr. Malden, how do you know to give your life to Jesus? How do you do that? I'm glad you asked that question, because I want to share that with you this morning. First of all, all you have to do is ask Jesus Christ into your heart. Matthew 7 and 7 says, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open unto you. 
John chapter 14, verse 13 says, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Just ask Jesus Christ into your heart. It's that simple. The second thing is you've got to believe in him. Ask him into your heart and then believe in him. Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. We believe in him through faith. Pastor mentioned it a while ago, Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For everyone that cometh to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We just ask him into our heart. We believe in him through faith. And then the third thing is we've got to confess our sins. 1 John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans 10 and 9 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And then it goes on to say, and your house. So you ask him into your heart, you believe in him through faith, and then you confess your sins. It's that simple. It's a gift that we have this morning to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and say, I know that most of you have already done that in your life. And you understand what I'm talking about, giving your heart and life to Jesus. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask every head to be bowed, every eye closed, and no one looking around for those that might want to follow Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Matthew 18, 19 says, If any two of you is touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them by my Father which is in heaven. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to begin on my far left and your far right. And if you want to know Christ as your Savior, I know I could ask you to come down front. I'm not going to do that this morning. I know we've got other things planned. Perhaps you could, you could stand up right where you are. But rather than do that, I'm just going to ask you to lift up your head I'm going to look at you, and you're going to look at me, and we're just going to form an agreement, just like that scripture said a while ago, that Jesus Christ will be your Savior. And then in just a moment, we will all pray a sinner's prayer together on your behalf, that you can know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Is there anyone in this section, my far left and your far right, if you want to know Christ as your Savior, just lift up your head and make sure that I see you before we go on to the next person. We want to know that Christ is going to come into your heart. Anyone in that section? You want to know Jesus to this, this morning? You want to follow Christ? Okay, great. I want to move to this next section, the center right, your center right section. If you want to know Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, will you just lift up your head, make sure that I see you before we go on to the next person. Anyone in this section, you want to follow Christ today? You want to make a, com a firm commitment to Jesus. Lift up your head. Lift up your head. Let's move to the section where the pastor is. If you want to know Christ as your Savior, the center left section. If you want to know Christ as your Savior, just lift up your head. You want to know Jesus today? Yeah. Praise God. In Jesus' name, we, we just join me in that prayer in just a moment. Will you do that? Praise God. Anyone in the section over here, your far left section, anyone who wants to know Christ as your Savior, right here, you want to know him today? Wonderful. 
In just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. Will you repeat that prayer after me in just a moment? Great. Wonderful. Anyone else? You want to know Jesus today? Praise God. Praise God. Anyone else want to know Jesus today? You want to follow Christ? You say, you're going to say, I'm going to make this commitment. This is the first day for the rest of my life that I'm going to follow Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, church, it doesn't matter if you're just coming to Christ or if you've been saved for 50 years. I want you to join with me in this prayer right now in the, as we close this service. I just want to just ask you to do that right now. Will you do that? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I ask you to come into my heart. I believe you are the Son of God. You died on a cross, and you were resurrected and live at the right hand of the Father. I ask you to come into my heart and change me. Change me from this day forward and for the rest of my life. I believe in the Son of Jesus Christ who can forgive me of my sins. I confess all of my sins to you. Every one of my sins, I lay them at your feet. And I want to thank you, and I want to praise you for forgiving me of my sins in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, right now, will you just praise the Lord for those that have come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Praise your name, O God. Praise your name, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. We glorify you. For those of you who have given their life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do one other thing before you leave this, this building. I want you to go to the pastor and say, Pastor, I gave my life to Jesus today. Now help me to walk in that new relationship that we have with the Father. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Pastor. God bless you. Praise the Lord. What a, what a wonderful word of God today. The Lord is in your weight. Amen. Amen. We're going to, uh, some of you guys have been waiting for this moment um, to get into the line to eat. But, um, yeah, appreciate it. I, I told my wife, I said, I, I wonder if we have set this date a week late because uh, I know that we had a number of people call and say, we're going to be traveling this weekend for Thanksgiving. But anyway, uh, next year we'll do this a week earlier, and that way we won't... Um, intersect with by tree change of life and so many other things we're thankful you're here we're going to ask in a few moments is that we'll allow just for a moment allow the those who might need assistance uh, if you're uh, a senior adult and it's harder for you to stand in a line for a long time if you will uh, actually go first and then if you have small children and you need to help your small children if you will go next and then we will kind of line up after that. Does that sound okay? Is that appropriate? No, Curtis, your kids are not that small any longer. <laughs> he said, can I help my grandchild? <laughs> anyway, so good to see you here this morning. Thank you so much, Dr. Malden. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much, Dr. Uh, Dr. Malden and Tammy, for you guys sharing this morning. What a blessing. 
If you would like to purchase a tree, we're actually going to open the tent up this afternoon, right after lunch, and would love your help with that. Uh, if you would like to get one, I've noticed that there are more and more people decorating earlier this year, and uh, and I'm okay with that, all right? I tried to get them to go ahead and put the trees up for today, and they said, no, not af- not till after Thanksgiving. I'm like, come on. I mean, you know, the, the, the longer it's up, it's fine with me. I mean, when we want to celebrate the, the birth of Jesus, how much longer? Come on. Anyway, so um, I want to say this again because I believe it is a timely message. Not everyone knows what what everyone's going on. But I'm aware of some of the things that's going on in some of your lives. And, and I believe this was a very timely message. God is in your wait. Don't get impatient. He'll give you strength for the journey. He'll give you peace in the process. So just surrender to him and let him do a work in you in this time. Amen. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for the wonderful message that was given to us today. I thank you, God, for a servant who whose heart is for your kingdom purpose. And Lord, uh, I know that in the administrative role that is, that can, there's difficulties, there's trials, there's uh, a lot of different things, obstacles, things, that he, challenges he has. And I pray, God, that you'll just touch Dr. Malden and Tammy, that you'll anoint them, that you'll give them wisdom and as they are maneuvering their processes, God. Lord, bless them and, and strengthen and encourage them, God. In this house, Lord, I pray for families in this place, Lord, that as, as we are in a pattern, Lord, a, a waiting on you to do something different in us. God, I, I just sense that over the last several weeks, there's something happening in individuals and families in this house. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that even in my house, Lord, that you will give us direction and wisdom, that you'll help us to be sensitive to you, There was a reason that you didn't uh, take Israel directly from Egypt to the promised land, but there was a pattern and a process of maturity. And Lord, I pray, God, that you will help us to uh, mature in this process and grow, that we can be able to handle what the next phase and level is that you're taking us to. God, thank you for those, those who so courageously said today, I want to know Jesus as my personal Savior. I thank you, God, and rejoice with those in heaven. The word, Your word tells us there is rejoicing in heaven. And Lord, I believe that is, that, that is the Lord Yourself standing up in ovation for all those who made that decision today, God. And I pray that not only they'll make a decision for You, but they'll walk out a discipleship for You, Lord Jesus. God, give us that direction. We give you praise. Bless the food that we're about to partake. Let us enjoy our fellowship together. Let us have a wonderful time today. We love you, we honor you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Remember, after we eat uh, at 2 o'clock, there is play practice for the kids. Uh, I think that's 3rd grade through 12th grade, And if uh, if you can stay. And if those can help us break down some tables and chairs afterwards, we greatly appreciate it. Come, let's get something to eat.